that I'm saved, amen. Let's see, this thing's backwards here. Ain't no, there we go. Yeah, that's it. Yeah, y'all got to pray for us. We hillbillies from up there in the mountains. So uh, I appreciate what God's doing. I'm glad I'm saved. Amen. I'm going to tell you right now, I'm glad. That I'm telling you the truth. God's taking care of good care of me. Amen. You're looking at one, I ain't got no sad stories to tell. Amen. Ain't nobody going to listen no how. But I'm telling you what, God's been good to me. He's always took care of me. He's always supplied my need. And he's even done more than that. He's, always, he's given me a few of my wants Amen. down through life. And boy, I thank God for that. Well, I want to say this. I appreciate the opportunity to be here tonight and appreciate your preacher allowing us to come, giving us the opportunity to preach. And I tell you, he's taking a chance because he don't know a whole lot about me. You know, we just got to know each other just the other day and then asked me to come down here and preach. And boy, I just appreciate the opportunity. Do what now? Know my papers. <laughs> but I appreciate what God's been doing. I want to say this. I appreciate Trinity Baptist Church coming tonight and supporting our pastor. Boy, so encourage it's my heart to see them here. And the boy appreciate all that God is doing. And I, I'm a little bit nervous because I know you've been pastoring and preaching a long time. But Jeffrey Phillips, he's done been to our church two or three times and, and wore the pulpit out when he come. And so I feel like I'm down here compared to these other men of God. And so I ask you to pray for us. I'm a little bit nervous, but I appreciate what God's doing. And if y'all want to know a little bit about me, uh, I don't know if any of you know Brother Stanley Adcock. That's my dad. And uh, he's been preaching, pastoring at Vicks Baptist Church in Hendersonville for 31, 32 years now. And uh, so thank God for him, the faithfulness that he's, he's uh, given throughout the years. But I'm going to tell you something. Uh, I'm not up here because my daddy called me to preach. That's, right. That's not why I'm up here. I prayed about that thing for years and years and years. And I never could get the leadership from God to surrender to preach. Two years ago this past July, God called me to preach. And I surrendered to the will of God. But before then, I taught Sunday school for several years, over 20, 20 plus years. And the Lord just finally called us to preach. And I always wondered, I was like, Lord, why didn't you call me? You know, I was willing, brother. I wasn't ever running away from God. I was willing to preach. I was like, God, I'll do whatever you want me to do. And once I came to Trinity, I realized why. And God had me set aside. He raised me up for that work right there. No doubt in my mind whatsoever. And boy, I appreciate what God is doing. I've been praying about what to preach. Well, let me say this. You called me, brother, within two days, God laid a message on my heart. Amen. And I have tried to get away from it and could not. I mean, I couldn't get nothing else. They wasn't nothing else worked. And last week, as one night there, I was laid down went to sleep, and God woke me up 3 o'clock in the morning. And I was preaching this message in this pulpit when I woke up. And I, when God, God's done that to me several times. And so I was like, all right, Lord, so if, that's, if that's it, then that's what we plan on preaching tonight. And so I'm going to apologize to Trinity right now. They've heard this, but they've probably forgot about it, just to be honest with you. It's been a few, it's been a few days since then. They've slept since then, so they might have forgot about it. But uh, if you will, let's take our Bibles tonight. Turn to the book of 2 Samuel, chapter number 6. Book of 2 Samuel, chapter number 6. Give you the thought the Lord laid upon our hearts this evening. Well, I appreciate that good choir singing. Enjoyed that. I love that. That song, Grand and Glorious Feeling, that brought back memories. I haven't heard that song since, I mean, years ago. And, boy, it just blessed my soul, brought back a lot of memories of the house of God. And I'm going to tell you something. This is all I know right here. Thank God for it. It's church people, being in church, being around the house of God. Boy, I thank God for it. Well, before we get into our, our text, what we're going to read tonight, I've got three verses that the Lord gave me today, and I want to kind of give you the direction we're going then I'm going to give you the message that the Lord's let up on our heart. I see a lot of things in today's time that bothers me. 
And the Bible says in Proverbs 29, verse number 18, he says, where there is no vision, the people perish. He says, but he that keepeth the law, happy is he. A lot of times we quote that first part without the second. What I want to say about that first part, most preachers will take that passage of Scripture and they will use that verse to say we don't have a vision for sinners, so the lost are going to perish. And I'm fine with that. That's good. A lot of preachers I've heard preach, and they've used that as the people have no vision for their church. And so the church tends to go downhill because there's no vision. What I want to deal with tonight is you. You. Your vision. You think about He said, where there is no vision, you. I'm not doing no harm to Scripture. You will perish. You say, but I'm a child of God. I'm saved. Yes, you are. You may be saved, born again. You're going to heaven. You're as good as there. Yes, but spiritually speaking, if you have no vision down here, you will dry up spiritually. And I'm going to show you what I'm talking about. Number two, I want you to think about this just for a moment. How many of you, I'm going to get you right here. I've got you. You don't even know it. How many of you, since you've walked in the church door here tonight, your mind has been somewhere else? I'm just going to ask you. How many of you, you come in and your mind was on what you did today? May have been on what you did yesterday. And it may be on what you're going to do tomorrow. We come into the house of God, the place where we're supposed to get our mind and our vision on God. But a lot of times we come in and we're so pulled from pillar to post from every which direction we go, we can't even get our vision and our eyesight turned toward God. He said in his word, set your affection on things above. Where's your affection at? Where do we look? What is in our vision? What you see is what you're looking for. You go deer hunting, what are you looking for? You're looking for a buck. That's what you're, you ain't looking for squirrels, you're looking for deer. So if you're going to see anything, you're looking for deer, you're going to see a deer. You hope and you pray. Think about what you see when you come to the house of God. And don't you notice something? There's a lot of things hinder our vision. You can mash your finger and you can keep working. You can sprain your ankle, you can keep working. You get something in your eye, everything stops. She'll shut down, she'll lock down. Why? Because you cannot see. You ever been, if you drive back and forth up the mountains like we do, as much as we do, sometime or another you're going to go around one of them curves on 178 and the fog's going to hit you and it's going to be just like a wall and you can't see nothing. I'm going to tell you something. You don't just keep the hammer down. You lock it down, and you hunt them sides. You look for them lines on the side of the road. Try to keep, keep yourself out of the ditch. Right. Why? Because your vision is hindered. Right. So it hinders your progress. Right. Don't you listen to this. Lord, give me this verse several years ago. We're going somewhere. Just give me a minute. Luke chapter 21, verse 34. And take heed to yourselves. That's us. That's me. That's you. I want you to take this individual. Take heed of yourselves. Last time, remember this is this is Luke chapter twenty-one, verse thirty-four. Luke is a physician, so he's got a little more knowledge than maybe someone else. He says, "Take heed of yourselves, lest at any time your hearts be overcharged with surfeiting and drunkenness." Okay, can I say right off the top of the, right top of the bat? I hope and pray we don't have no trouble drunkenness in here. We know better than that, right? We know we're supposed to drink. All right, so we're not going to have trouble surfeiting. It's a drunk headache. It's a hangover. That's what you feel the next morning after you took in too much alcohol. It's a hangover the next morning. He says, you shouldn't have that. He said, take heed lest at any time your hearts be overcharged with a hangover or with drunkenness. But then he puts something else in there that's completely out of line. He says, and cares of this life. You know, Luke was a physician, and what he said and what he's saying right there, he says, be careful. If you're not careful, 
in your life. The cares of this life have the same effect on a Christian as alcohol does to a drunk man. Your vision will be blurred. You don't act right. You don't live right. You don't walk right. You can't do anything right. Why? Because we're pulled from pillar to post. I know a little bit about what I'm talking about. This morning I had to get up and go to work, and I had to, live, I had to work in Tennessee today, Gatlinburg, Tennessee, on top of all that. And then had to take some water samples to Sevierville, Tennessee, and then come around and come all the way back down here. Now, if y'all drove any time when the fall of the year and all them people's leaf looking, they're nuts. Man, ain't none of them got a brain in their head. And I'm thinking, I've got to preach tonight, Lord, and I'm aggravated. I'm pulled pillar post. Me and my daughter sitting right here was coming down the mountain, got into Pickens. I had the vice president of the company call me, say, hey, here's a problem over in Tennessee. I need you to deal with it right now. I'm like, I'm going to church. I'm going to preach. Here, I've got to work. So we see how we're pulled. Cares of this life. And I'm telling you, you and I, in our lives, we have so much going on. I see parents with their kids in football and basketball and baseball. You see people doing extracurricular activities, and their minds are so pulled far apart, they can't even think about God, can't even look toward God. And that's, he says, you better take heed. He said, lest any time your hearts be uh, overcharged with faithing and drunkenness and care of this life, so that that day come upon you unawares. That means the coming of the Lord. In other words, he says, if you're not careful, you won't even be looking for me when I come. And he wants somebody to be looking for him. Now, don't you listen to this. Did you realize this? Not only the cares of this life. Preacher, this will go for us. This will go for the preachers in here. I don't know if there's anybody else. I thought I know these two. Do you know you can get too busy in the work of God? Do you know you can allow the work of God to take the place of God? I'm going to tell you what I see a lot, brother, in this day and hour. I see tons, God's burdened my heart about this, but I've seen tons of churches. And I'm not knocking churches. I'm not a church basher. I'm not that. And I'm just telling you what I see. There's a lot of working going on at the church, and there's a lot less worshiping. I'm going to tell you something. Listen to what the Bible says. You remember the disciples, whenever God gave them power, and they was able to go out and do a lot of things? Luke chapter 10, verse number 20. Not with, when they come to God, they said, Lord, you're not going to believe what we've been doing. He said, we've been doing this, doing that. He said, even the spirits are subject unto us. Lord, we've been doing all kinds of stuff. They was excited because they was working in the work of God. They was doing what God wanted to do. But what they've done is allowed the work of God to take the place of God. He said, notwithstanding in this, rejoice not that the spirits are subject unto you, but rather rejoice because your names are written down in heaven. He said, that's where it's at. God was having to take his own disciples and say, hey, I know I'm glad you're excited about the work. I appreciate you doing the work of God, but don't allow the word to get in place of God. That's what he said. So we can get pulled from pillar to post in our own lives and at the house of God if we're not careful. It bothers me, preacher, I'll be honest with you. There's so many programs. So many gimmicks. There's, we've had people call us asking questions about church. What do you have for young people? What do you have for the middle-aged people? What do you have for the young married couples? What do you have for the seniors? They want to know what you got. We've got preaching, praying, shouting. That's what we've got. When did church, when did church ever get to the place that we've got to have all this other stuff instead of just having church? I remember back when I was a kid growing up, I can, I can remember times whenever the power of God would fall. We'd go to the house. We didn't have a bunch of programs. We didn't have a bunch of gimmicks. 
we get the house of God and the power of God to fall. You'd see grandmas up there with their handkerchiefs doing this right here. You'd see men of God running up and down the aisle shouting and praising God, worshiping God. Son, you say amen in some churches nowadays. They look at you like a cape looking at a new gate. They're like, man, what is all that about? We've got to get back to that old-time worship. Got to get our eyes and our affections centered on Christ. We've got to get back to that because if we don't, you think about this. This world's full of dead religion. It's full of it. And it's sending people to hell. I'm going to tell you what's different. Old-fashioned worship. Old-fashioned worship. I remember this is, this, is what, this is what we did. I told you I, the Lord saved me at a young age. He didn't just save my soul. He saved my life, brother. Thank God. I don't have any scars. I've never tasted alcohol. I've never, I've never put tobacco in my mouth. I've never done any of that stuff. God kept me from a life of sin, and I thank God for that. You know what we did when I was 14, 15, 16 years old? 16 because I was driving at that time. On Thursday night, every Thursday night, we'd go over to Ricky Dicky Hensley's house. They had an apple orchard over in Edneyville. We'd go up by their barn. We'd turn up that hill, go up on top of that ridge. On the very top of it, that thing was bald. They wasn't one apple tree on the top. They left the whole top bald. It was just a pasture. You know what we'd do? Go for and pray. Men would pull up there. We'd get out of the truck. They'd been working all evening. Hadn't even went home and got supper. We'd go up there, and we'd get out, and man, them men would just spread out on top of that hill and then pray and get a hold of God. When's the last time you heard of that? When's the last time you heard of that? We've got to get back to old-time worship. I'll tell you what, that's what will make the difference in our days and hours when we get back to the old paths and put church back in church, put God back in church. What do we come for? To worship him. It's not all about working. If we get to the point where pastoring and preaching is more of a burden and a work than it is a blessing, we've messed up. Anytime we get to where leading to singing becomes a burden and a work and so a hardship, we've messed up. Why are we doing it? Because of what God's done for us. Now, I didn't mean to stay out there that long, but God, God does. Now, look at, look at 2 Samuel chapter number 6. And I'm going to preach in a hurry so you, if you listen in a hurry, we'll be all right. Verse number 1 says, Again, David gathered together all the chosen men of Israel, 30,000. And David rose and went with all the people that were with him from the Baal, from the Baal of Judah to bring up from thence the ark of God, whose name, was, whose name was called by the name of the Lord of hosts that dwelt between the cherubims. They set the ark of God upon a new cart and brought it out of the house of Abinadab that was in Gibeon. Uzzah and Ahihu and the sons of Abinadab drave the new cart. They brought it out of the house of Abinadab, which was at Gibeah, accompanying the ark of God. And Ohio went before the ark. And David and all the house of Israel played before the Lord on all manner of instruments, made of fir wood, even on harps and psalteries and timbrels and cornets and cymbals. When they came to Nacon, threshing for us, I put forth his hand to the ark of God and took hold of it, for the oxen shook it. The anger of the Lord was kindled against us, and God smote him there for his error, and there he died by the ark of God. David was displeased because the Lord had made a breach upon us, and he called the name of the place Perez Uzzah this, to this day. And David was afraid of the Lord that day and said, How shall the ark of the Lord come to me? So David would not remove the ark of the Lord unto him into the city of David, but David carried it aside into the house of Obed-Edom, the Gittite. Now let's look at verse number 11. And the ark of the Lord continued in the house of Obed-Edom the Gittite three months. And the Lord blessed Obed-Edom and all his household. Let's pray. Father, we thank you, Lord, for this day. Thank you, Lord, for allowing us to be back in the house of God. Lord, I thank you, Lord, for this opportunity to preach. Appreciate Brother Anthony calling us and letting us come. Lord, I, I count that an honor and a privilege to stand in this pulpit and preach. Now, God, you've called me. Lord, this is your work, Lord, and I can't do it without you. Lord, if you'd see fit one more time, fill us with your spirit, fill us with your power. 
Help us to preach your word tonight. Touch our voice. Touch our throat, O oh God. Lord, you know what you've laid on my heart. And I ask you, Lord, just to help us to preach and convey the thought tonight. Lord, help us to be mindful of the time. And Lord, help us to help each one of us to leave different what we came. Well, thank you for it. In Jesus' name, amen. Y'all give me just a second. Get me a sip of this. Y'all done drove me to drinking. When you look at this passage of Scripture in verse number 11, he talks about something called the ark of the Lord. Well, I want to deal with this right quick. And we're just going to kind of go through the first couple, three, till I get down where I want to go. If you go to Exodus chapter 25, if you're taking notes, you want to write that down. Exodus chapter 25, we see the ingenuity of the ark. I want you to notice something. God was the one that made the ark. He's the one that gave instructions, told them how to build it, told them what, what materials to use, how much each material to use, and everything. It was God's plan. It was God provided. And the thing is, God even paid for it. The Bible says that the people brought forth the money that God had blessed them with. Sounds like tithe, don't it? That's what it sounds like. So God paid for it. God never asked us to take care of his work. He'll always take care of it through us. So we see that God's, God's plan, God provided, God paid for it. God was pleased with the ark. Well, we know that the ark of God, it was a type and a picture of the Holy Ghost of God, the presence and the Spirit of God. Can I say this? That is something that we have less and less and less of in this, hour, this day and hour we live in. Yeah, how many times have you ever been to church and it was dead? Boy, it got quiet, didn't it? I have been. You might not have been there, but I've been there. It's as dead and dry as last year's bird nest. I mean, there wasn't nothing going on. You couldn't get nothing at the house of God. It was dead. I've told the church at Trinity, I said, if there's anything we need at our church more than anything else, it's the presence and power of God. He said in his word, he said, he said that no man coming to the Father unless the Spirit of my Father draw him. I said, there ain't nobody going to get saved unless the Spirit of God's there. We can't worship unless the Spirit of God's there. We ain't going to get help unless the Spirit of God's there. So the Spirit of God is very important. So we see the ingenuity of the ark in Exodus chapter 25. Then here in 2 Samuel chapter number 6, we see the inspiration of the ark. We see how they handled it. They had a certain way they had to handle it. They had a certain way they had to deal with the ark. And we see Uzzah did exactly what he wasn't supposed to do, and God killed him just like that. No man except the Levites was ever to touch that ark at all. Nobody's supposed to touch it. He touched it, and he died. Can I say this? The Bible says, grieve not the Spirit of God. He says, quench not the Spirit of God. The Spirit of God is the most precious thing you and I can have in our church and in our life. We have to have it. So we see the inspiration of the ark. Now, don't you notice something, the importance of the ark? We see the inspiration, how they handled it, how they heated it, how they had it with them. Then we see the importance. The Bible says there in verse number 11, And the ark of the Lord continued in the house of Obed-Edom to Gittite three months, and the Lord blessed Obed-Edom and all his household. Now, I don't have a Bible for everything I'm getting ready to preach, but you're going to appreciate what I'm getting ready to say, and it's going to go with the message. The preacher's looking at me like, Oh, Lord, what's he getting ready to say? And you see, it scared him to death, and I said that. Did you hear that? You think about uh, Obed-Edom. The Bible says it blessed all of his household. Why? Because the ark came into his house. When you think about this, Obed-Edom was just like we were. He's just like us. He's just a common, ordinary man. He had a family. He had a wife. Maybe say he had uh, two, a daughter and a son. Right, let's just say there's four of them in the house. They had the same problems you and I did. Obed and Mrs. Obed, they fussed and they fought. They had times where they didn't get along. They had times where they disagreed. You think about those kids. They grew up just like my kids. They fuss and fight. Brother and sister get to get at each other all the time. They're dying to see the other and getting in trouble. They had financial trouble. They had family trouble. They had all the normal troubles that normal families in this life have. Job said there, 
in the book of Job, Bible says a man born of woman a few days and full of trouble. So I can just see old Job, he's trying to make ends meet. He's got bills he can't pay. He needs to buy groceries. He ain't got, to buy, ain't got money to buy groceries. I can see her, him having, having a little farm or something like that. He got chickens out there. Them things ain't laid nothing in three weeks. He's had a milk cow out there. That thing's been dried up for two weeks. He's got a garden out there. It's burned up. It ain't rained. Everything he's touches went all to pieces. Yeah. You ever been there? You ever had days like that? Oh, yeah. Yeah, this health, wealth, gospel that's out here in this new age, that, that's, that's a bunch of lies. They don't, they don't even go with the Bible. But this is Obed. He's having a rough time. And all of a sudden, one day, he hears a knock at the door. He goes to the door and he opens the door. And Lord, have mercy, it's the king. He's like, Lord, what's the king doing at my house? king says, Obed, I need a back room. He says, what for? He says, we need to put the ark somewhere. I can imagine Obed saying, now, whoa, whoa, wait a minute. Is there a catch to this? Am I going to get in trouble? Is there somebody after it? What's going on? I just don't know if I want that in my house. King says, I just need to put it there for just a day or two, and I'll come back and get it. But I just need to leave it here for a little while. I can just imagine Obed saying, well, man, it's the king. You know, I don't know exactly all I know, but he said, all right, king, we've got a back room back here. We'll move some stuff around, and you can slide her back there in the back, and we'll close the door, and we'll leave it right there until you come back. Oh, Obed didn't, just didn't have a clue what was getting ready to happen. The Bible said, look what your Bible says. Look what the Bible says. When the ark made it into Obed's house, he said, And the ark of the Lord continued in the house of Obed-Edom to get out three months, and the Lord blessed Obed-Edom, and all... Now listen, what does the word all mean? It means all, everything. That means everything that pertained to Obed-Edom... The Bible says God blessed it. Why did God bless it? Because the ark was there. Anytime you get around where the presence of God is and the Spirit of God is, son, it'll help you. It'll do something for you. It'll do more for you than anything else you ever had in your life. Get around the presence of God. So now you see Obed-Edom, he's, he's walked in there. They've got that ark in there, and the king drives off. Obed's like, he's just nervous, wringing his hands. Man, that's the ark in there. That ain't just that ain't a shovel. That ain't that ain't a rake or nothing. That's that's the ark of God yeah. in my back room. Next morning they get up. Miss Obed says, "Man, I need to fix breakfast. We're everyone hungry." Says, "Youngest, run out there." I said, "Maybe you just maybe there's been a chicken out there laid at least one egg. We'll split her four ways, yeah, you know." And they go out there, and son, every one of them's laid. Every one of them's double yokers. That young and goat says, "Go out there and see if we've got any milk. See if that milk cow's produced any." She gives her a little old bitty pan, little old bitty pot to go out there. She comes back and says, Mama, you got anything else? It's coming out, and I don't even have, I don't have to do anything to get it. It's just coming out, the blessing of God. Why? Because the presence of God. I know I ain't got Bible for all that, but it sure does make good preaching. The Bible says he blessed everything in his household. Now I can just think about this. Y'all just, y'all just, help, y'all just get with him. Let me preach, all right? You think about Obed-Edom. He's had all kinds of trouble. Him and his wife been at it. They probably... He was probably thinking it'd be best if I just pack up my bag and leave. My, my. You ever seen any marriages broke up? You ever seen any homes busted all to pieces? The devil loves that. You know what'll help it? It's the presence of God. Amen. Spirit of God. Take place, put 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 his place in the house. So now we see Obed, he comes home one evening, and uh, he comes he comes walking the door and ain't no supper fixed. He's like Youngest, where's your mama at? Said, I thought she was going to have something, at least something on the stove. They said, well, Dad said, she went in there where that ark was this morning. Said, she'd been in there all day. 
said, you know what happened? So, said, so we eased by the door and just listened in and said, we, we heard some crying going on. We heard some praying going on. And said, a little while we heard a whoo. said, we don't know what's going on with Mama, but ever since that hour coming to the house, Mama's been different. Amen. You think about this? That Mama come home and said, where's your daddy at? Said, oh, Ben, said, Daddy's been in that back room ever since you left this morning, Mama. So we've heard a little bit of crying, a little bit of praying, and a little bit of shouting. Said, Daddy ain't even acting the same since that heart come in the house. Those kids, they said, no, have you noticed? Mom and Daddy, they've been hugging on one another. They ain't been fussing near as much. Daddy's been opening the door for Mama. What's happened? I don't know, but it happened when that heart come in the house. I'm telling you what, the presence of God will make a difference in your life and in your home. I thought about those kids fussing and fighting and carrying on. I just see Mr. Obed and Mrs. Obed coming there. Look at them kids. There's a brother and sister. It was a fighting. was a fussing all the time. Now they're helping one another. They're helping each other with homework. They're trying to help each other get better grades. They're helping to help each other clean up the room. You say, what's happened? Something's different. Whatever happened, it happened when they are coming to have. Amen. Tell you what's their truth. The Spirit of God help you in your life. You say, how do you get the Spirit of God? You get saved. You say, walk close to God. Now, don't you notice something? The Bible says, I'm, I'm going to try not to get bogged down right here. When you come on down to verse number 12 and you read down the rest of this passage, you're going to find that the king come back by Obed's house and he got the ark. Now, could you imagine? I mean, it's just this picture. Y'all just y'all picture. Well, like I said, I don't have a Bible for all this, but I just want to try to help us. Can you see the picture? Everything in their life has changed because the ark come in. And now they're seeing the ark go down the road. I can see them sitting there and say, Daddy, what are we going to do? The ark's gone. They say, Son, I don't know. Miss Obed look at Obed and say, Honey, what are we going to do? said, that ark's leaving our house. Our house ain't, ain't been as good like it is right now ever. So we've not ever had it as good as we've got it right now, and it's leaving our house. What are we going to do? I always wondered what happened to Obed. Don't you flip over to the book of Second Chronicles chapter 15. Or, I mean, First Chronicles chapter 15. If I wrote that down right in my, in my notes, I could be wrong. First Corinthians chapter 15. Now, this is right. So I began to think about Obed. First Corinthians, or First Chronicles, Lord of mercy, I got them two mixed up. First Chronicles chapter 15. They've asked one another, and God just saw you look at the kids, look up at that, and say, Daddy, what are we going to do? Is the garden going to dry up again? Is the chickens going to quit laying again? Are you and Mama going to go fussing again? Is everything in our life going to go back to the way it was because the ark's gone? Obed said, No. He said, what we're going to do, he said, we're going to go wherever that ark goes. Amen. Wherever that ark's going, he said, we're going to be right there. I'm not going to get away from the ark for love nor money. Wherever that ark goes, I'm a-going. Wherever that ark stays, that's where I'm a-staying. He wants to stay with the ark. Why? Because the ark made a difference in his life. And that ark is a representation of the Spirit of God. She wondered, whatever happened to Obed-Edom? I'm trying to get us, what I'm trying to do is I'm trying to show us where our vision ought to be where our sight ought to be. It's about high time God's people quit looking at this old sin-benighted world, quit looking at all the problems in our life, all the health problems, all the financial problems, all the family problems, all the feuds, all the rumors, all that mess. It's time to put all that aside, get our eyes on God, and let's start worshiping.
worshiping God. Let's start praising God. Let's get church back in the church. And let's do something for the glory of God. That's what we need to do in our day. Whatever happened to Obed, well, that ark went to another place. And where it went to was a house that David, God had told David, I want you to build me a place for the ark. If you look through that scripture, you'll start seeing, boy, son, David didn't just build no shed. Son, I'm talking about David building a mansion for the ark of God. Now, I want you to remember something. Where is the Spirit of God right now? Your body is a temple of the Holy Ghost. What kind of house are you building for him? What kind of house has he got to live in? Is it a good house? Is it a nice house? Is it a clean house? Or is it dirty? Is it filthy? Is it run down? Is it ragged? Is it falling in? What kind of house? David built a nice place. And he set the ark in his place. Obed says, I'm going to that place. Sounds to me like the house of God, don't it? Amen. He said, where two or three are gathered together in my name, there am I in the midst of when I, Whenever we get together for prayer, there's two or three gathered together. I encourage my church to say, son, y'all come. Come to the prayer meeting. Anytime God's people are gathered together at God's house, he has promised. He says, I will be there. Anytime God's going to show up, I want to be there. Why? Because God made a difference in my life. So we see Obed-Edom, he's trying to find out he's following this ark. So we come to Second Chronicles. We're finding a fellow named Obed-Edom. And when you, <laughs> I love this part right here. I'm going to try not to get too excited right here. Is that all right? In First Chronicles chapter number 15, I want us to look up at verse number 16. Verse number 1, he tells about him preparing a place for the ark. Verse number 6, he says, And David spake to the chief Levites to appoint their brethren, to be what? Read it out loud. Singers with instruments of music by lifting up their voice with joy. So what happened? Okay, here we are. We're at the house of God. They built the house. They put the ark in its rightful place. The Spirit of God's there at the house. And the king says, I need somebody to sing. That's what he said. Now I want you to look down just a few verses down, verse number 18. The Bible says, And with them their brethren of the second degree, Zechariah being, Jaziel, Shemariah, I don't know how you pronounce all these names, but let's just ease on down there toward the bottom. And it says, And Obed Edom, there he is. There he is at the house of God. I can see the king holler out there and say, Hey, I need somebody at the house of God to know something about the Spirit of God. I need them to sing. Is there anybody willing to sing? Obed throws his hand up and he says, I will. I'll be glad to sing. People in the church look back there and say, that's Obed-Edom. He ain't been in church in his whole life. He ain't never been around the house of God. He sure ain't been one to sing. He might have sang some of those old songs down this world. He ain't interested in singing gospel songs. Here he is. He's hand up. He says, I will. Need somebody sing? He said, I will. Now look at this. Look at your next part. Look on down here. This is good right here. I'm telling you. Let me see where I'm at. He said, I will sing in verse number 18. Look at verse number 19. So the singers... Uh, Heman, Asaph, and Ethan were appointed to sound with symbols of brass. So now he needed singers. Verse 21, look at this. And Ma, 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 I don't know how to pronounce that. Matea, Eliphae, and Michaela. And look at that. Obed-Edom. What are they doing? Now they're sounding with symbols of brass. He needs some players at the house of God. Amen. I can imagine Obed-Edom says, I don't know if I can play anything, but if you need somebody to play something, I will play. He said, I will sing, I will play. Now look at this. I'm trying to hurry. I don't want to preach all night. If you look at this, he said, I needed some singers. I needed some players. Verse number 19, look at this. Or no, it's, I've got it wrong. 
Anyhow, he said in verse number 18, back up, he needed some porters. That's the last part of verse number 18. He needed some porters. Look at the one right before that, Obed-Edom. He needed some porters. He said, I will, I will. He said, I need some singers. He said, I will. He said, I need some players. He said, I will. Look at verse 24. He said, the priest did blow with the trumpets before the ark of God, and Obed-Edom and Jehiah were doorkeepers for the ark. He said, I'm going to need some doorkeepers too. Obed threw his hands up. He said, I'll do that too. He said, I'll do everything I can do at the house of God. Everybody looked at Obed-Edom and said, man, have you lost your mind? You cannot do everything. Look on down here. Look at verse number, chapter 16. Look at verse number 4. He said, and he appointed certain of the Levites to minister before the ark of the Lord and to record and to thank and to praise the Lord God of Israel. He said, I need some ministers. The king asked, I need somebody to minister. I need somebody to keep the records. Oh, well, Ben Edom, he raised his hands again. He said, I will. I'll be glad to do whatever I can do at the house of God. Now, look here. Look on down. We got another or two. He needs some ministers. He needs some record keepers. Now, look at verse number, in verse number four. He said, I need somebody that would praise. Then look over in verse number 37 of chapter 16. So he left there before the ark the covenant of the Lord Asaph and his brethren to minister before the ark continually as every day's work required. And what's that word? Obed-Edom. He said, I just need somebody to work around the house of God where the ark, where the ark of God is. And they said, will anybody be willing to work? Obed raised his hands up. He said, I will. I'm sure the king looked at him and says, Lord, have mercy, Obed. You volunteered for everything. You're wanting to do everything. Or you just want to stay around here? He said, why in the world would somebody volunteer for this much stuff around the house of God? He said, King, you don't understand. He said, if you'd have saw my house before that ark come in my house, you'd have saw me before the ark. You'd have saw my family before the ark. You'd have saw my wife before the ark. You'd have saw my husband before the ark come in my house. He said, I'm so much better off. God has blessed me. God has been good to me. What he said, he said, why would you be willing to stay at the house of God? He said, God's been good to me. Bible said that the Bible said that the Lord blessed all. Everything. Everything he touched, God blessed it. He said, I will. Let me ask you a question. When's the last time you looked around? And instead of complaining and griping, and, and talking, just giving the pooch mouth and talking about how bad it is, how rough it is. Just look around at how God's blessed us. Look how good God's been to us. Oh, Obed-Edom, he said, I'll do anything I can at the house of God. If you need something, I'm there. If you need to cut the grass, I'll cut it. you need to sing, I'll sing. you need to teach, I'll teach. you need to preach, I'll preach. you need to clean the toilets, I'll clean them. I'll do whatever I need to do at the house of God. Why? Because God has been good to me. That's what he said. Now get this. It didn't stop there. I'm trying to show you what happened. How many in here, how many in here raise your hand right now and say you're saved? There's no doubt about you're saved. How many of you know a little bit about the Spirit of God? Is your life any different now than it was before the Spirit of God? How many of you are better off right now than you was 20 years ago? Raise your hand. Every one of us are. That's why whenever we call for prayer, the church ought to be full. Whenever we have revival meeting, the church ought to be full. Anytime the lights are on the house of God, the lights ought to be off at our house. Why? Because God has been good to us. A lot of times you and I, we get so caught up in this world and get pulled from pillar to post. We forget. You remember what happened to the church at Ephesus? The Bible said they left their first love. Amen. See what's happened to most of us. I'm including myself in this. 
we've got over being saved. He told us, I rejoice not that the Spirit's are subject. He said, but that your name is written down in heaven. That's salvation. He says, you ever get over God and how good he's been in salvation to you and I? Then we're backing up. What, have, what made a difference in Obed-Edom's house? It's when the Spirit yes. came into his house, when the ark found a place in his house. It made all the difference in the world. I've seen God save drunks. I've seen God save dope heads. I've seen God take families that's busted all to pieces, put them back together. I've seen people didn't have no hope. Now they got hope. See them take them off the street, put them in the choir, put them, take them off the street, call them to preach, put them in a place like in pastor. I've seen God do that. Only the presence of God can do that. Lord, I'm give out. Now you think about this. This is the impression left because of the ark. I see him standing around our church. Obed, Edom, Dave, everybody there is looking at him. He says, Obed, we just can't believe you willing to volunteer for everything. And I see tears well up. He start crying. He said, folks, y'all just don't understand how good God's been to me. Amen. Me and my wife sung that song for a reason because I knew I was going to preach this message. I'm going to tell you something, preacher. God's been good to the preacher. God's been good. God's been good to me. Amen. I'll tell you the best thing ever happened to me is when I knelt at the altar, Middle Fort Baptist Church in Roswell, North Carolina, give my heart and life to God. The greatest thing ever happened to me. And I'll tell you, God's been good to me every day, every step I took. God's been good to me. Old Ben Edom said, let me tell you something else, y'all. Not only has God been good to me, and I want to do everything I can for him. He said, but I pulled out old Webster's Dictionary. I don't know if I had Webster back then, but it sounds good. He pulled out a Webster's Dictionary. He looked up his name, Obed-Edom. You know what the name Obed-Edom means? You look it up. Look it up strong. Of course, what it means? My God has been good to me. That's what his name means. That's what his name means. He said, God's been good to me. When that ark come in the house, he said, God even knew what he was going to do before I was ever here. And I'm telling you what's truth. God's been good to us. We shouldn't have to beg and pry, puff and pry, people to testify. We ask anybody has got a word, everybody to jump up all at one time. Thank God, because God's been good to us. Now, I want you to look at this. And I'm almost done. I only see the impression left because of the ark. We see an inheritance. Notice this. Look over to, where am I at? Look over to second, First Chronicles chapter number 26. Look at second, First Chronicles chapter number 26. It's important that we keep the ark of God in our hearts and in our church. Concerning the divisions of the porters in verse number 1. Now I want you to move down to verse number 4. Moreover, the sons of Obed-Edom were Shimeiah, the firstborn, Jehoshaphat, the second, Joah, the third, Sachar, the fourth, and Nathaniel, the fifth, Amiel, the sixth, Issachar, the seventh, I don't know how to pronounce that one, the eighth, for God blessed him, blessed who? Obed-Edom, when? Whenever the ark come in the house. Look what he said. And also Shimei, his son, were sons born, look at this, that ruled throughout the house of their father, for they were mighty men of valor. I'm going to tell you what's the truth, the greatest thing you can do for your family, for your kids, for your grandkids, your great-grandkids, and the generations to come is to get the ark of God in your house, keep the ark of God and the presence of God in the house of God, Stay as close to the presence of God as you can because that's what will make a difference in your life and theirs. 
Because the ark come into Obed-Edom's house, now he's got all these sons. They said there were mighty men about her. Why is that? Because Obed allowed the ark to come in his yeah. house. So, preacher, you never did give us a title of your message. Here's my title. Why I do. What I do. Because God has been good to me. Preacher, why do you preach? Because God's been good to me. Preacher, why do you stay faithful to your wife? Because God's been good to me. Why do you love the church? Because God's been good to me. Why do you not go out and sin? Because God's been good to me. That's why I do what I do. Oh, go them. They said, hey, man, why do you do what you do? He said, because God has been good to me. Has God been good to you tonight? Psalmist said in Psalm 34, verse number 8, Oh, taste and see. That the Lord is good. Blessed is the man that trusteth in him. You're looking at one that's been blessed of God. And brother, I want to finish right. And I do what I do because God has been good to me. Let's all stand. That's my message. Preacher, it's yours.